Today on School Dia, Clint and Chad talked about student excuses, why they became teachers, and uncomfortable dancing with dudes versus watching ridiculous car shows. Okay, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the first episode of School Dia. The podcast where two middle-aged teachers, dads, and hipster doofuses talk about their combined 30 years of educational experiences. But we'll also chat about whatever comes into our heads, not just education. The goal is to make a podcast that teachers, and anyone else, tell your friends, find as fun and interesting as the teacher's lounge during lunch, but without the complaining. Well, some complaining, but mostly fun. And to kick things off, here's one of the best things about being a teacher, ridiculous student excuses. Okay, so I have a good one for this. Uh, All right. I had a kid who at the, I don't know, maybe within the first month of school, uh, didn't show up for two weeks because he was at something called Dragon Con, which <laughs> I didn't know what that was. Have you heard of Dragon Con before? No. Dragon Con? Yeah. Dragon okay. Con. And weirdly, it has almost nothing to do with dragons. So huh. I, I did a little research to find out what this was. It's uh, kind of like the Comic Con at uh, in San Diego, but it's okay. the largest sci-fi convention on the East Coast. It takes place in Atlanta, Georgia, and it's named after an old Radio Shack computer from the '80s. <laughs> the Dragon, <laughs> I don't know. And uh, they used to host like a precursor system to the internet on this okay. uh, on this Dragon thing. It's kind of like the 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 way that they communicated on war games. If you remember that uh-huh. Matthew Broderick gem, and uh, <laughs> they have this big costume parade, and I have a friend who's a nerd, and he told me that it's a great con because quote anything goes, and I tried to question him about what that <laughs> meant, and it, I don't know, he just got kind of red, and I think he was embarrassed that he said what he said, so I'm not sure what's what he means by anything goes, but I did find this news article from the most recent one that says. Uh, that two women were injured by chairs that were thrown from a 10th store balcony while this thing was going on. Um, And one of the people who got hit said, Kelly McDaniel, 25, told Action Channel 2 Action News she heard loud pops and felt something wet and warm gushing down her face. It was just so much blood, McDaniel said. (laughs) And And then the key part, though, that kept her from getting hurt too badly... McDaniel thinks her Loki costume from the Avengers movies helped lessen the blow from the chair. I really think that saved my life, she said. So I guess at Dragon Con you should wear a padded costume just in case someone chucks a chair at you. So uh, I'm curious how your school, like, is that considered an excused absence to be at Dragon Con for two weeks? Uh, I held him responsible for the work. Uh, It is interesting that you talk about, you know, odd excuses. As you know... Uh, one of the uh, one of the things that's really popular here in rural Oregon is um, hunting, and a lot of times, you know, at our school, uh, we will get kids who will sometimes miss one or two weeks uh, because they're on family trips for hunting. I think I've probably told you this story before, but at a former school I was at, I, I was uh, coaching the football team, and we had made the playoffs for the first time in probably like six or seven years, and it was a really big deal. And the night before our playoff game our star football player goes out and he shoots his elk. There you go. And I mean, for, for any listeners out there who kind of, I'm, I'm, I grew up in Oregon, but I am not a hunter. And I, so it's always something new to me too, to learn about some of this stuff. But if you don't know about kind of the whole, 
process with hunting is you have to get a tag and that tag is good for one animal. And so um, this young man after practice went out, he shot his elk probably three, four miles up in the woods somewhere. And about five, six, seven of our other athletes spent all night. And when I say all night, like probably till two or three o'clock in the morning, helping this kid get his elk out of the woods. And the next day we just get clobbered. Uh, we have a horrible game. All our guys like are exhausted and tired. And I mean, I don't think anyone really thought twice about it. Like I remember our, our head football coach being super upset and like, what were you guys thinking? And I think they all were just like, well, you know, he got an elk. He got his elk. Like what the, you gotta what do you mean? Of it. You can't just leave it you there. Know? Exactly. So sometimes it's just the priorities. And again, coming from our perspective as teachers, sometimes it's hard to see that from, you know, from, I guess, a different perspective. Right. Well, and it's, it's, I I think that that's true on all sorts of different topics, not just excuses, but I think it'll be good uh, for us to kind of try to put our heads in the heads of all of our students and administrators and other people. Like, why are they doing the things that they're doing to try to Right. understand it a little better because I think there's a tendency in uh, in education probably all jobs I don't know because I've only ever had this job um, to doubt the people above you or doubt the people that you're working with and sure. and not understand where they're coming from so hopefully that'll be something that we can that we can explore quite a lot in this podcast yeah I think so uh, I don't know is that maybe a good time to take a little break yeah let's take a little break here and we'll come right back Today's episode of Schoolja is sponsored by Bettermint, the only breath mint specifically designed for teachers. Did you eat garlic for lunch? Forget to brush your teeth after your morning cup of coffee? Have severe and untreatable halitosis? Then Bettermint is for you. Let Bettermint's refreshing blend of pure mint leaf oil, Saigon cinnamon, fresh wild ginger, and little chips of one of the few remaining glaciers in the world rejuvenate your mouth and make your students beg to have you lean over their desk to help them with a the problem rather than recoil in horror at your violently foul dragon breath. Betterment, mask your dragon. All right, welcome back to Schoolja. And you might be wondering, what is this thing? Why am I listening to it? Who are these guys? What are they talking about? <laughs> well, I'll start. Yeah, go ahead. So my name's Chad. Hi, Chad. Uh, and uh, I met Clint. When did we meet Clint? Because uh, I'm Clint. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm Clint, and we met, oh, gosh. Um, 2000, 2008 was when I started working at your yeah, school. So that would have been, that would have been about that time. And I don't know if we've ever actually talked about this. It really wasn't until I think we found that our morning bathroom routine. Oh um, yeah, that's right. Was oddly similar. And there was sometimes a. Yeah. Like whoever showed up first. Yeah. We have a single whole, uh, staff <laughs> bathroom that uh, could only be occupied by one person. And so I think that was really when we kind of started hitting it off. We have a Um, similar regularity routine. (laughs) Let's just say it. Yep, let's just say it. We were also some of the first people in the building most days. So we had dibs. Yes, that's right. Nobody's stinking it up before us. I am a math teacher, and I will also talk during this podcast about some other things I've taught, but primarily I'm a math teacher at the high school level. And uh, I teach English or language arts, if you want to be pretentious. I do that at the high school level as well. And I used to teach in Astoria, Oregon with Chad, but two years ago, I kind of got the itch to move around. And for some weird reason, my family and I decided to move across the country to Virginia. And part of the reason that Chad and I decided to make this podcast is so that we could still talk to each other. But then also we wanted to just kind of explore the differences in education across the country and and also just get to talk shop a little bit. 
so one of the things uh, hopefully our listeners will be patient with as we're trying to figure out the technology here is that you know I'm coming from Oregon and Clint's coming from Virginia and we're trying to do this through different modes of FaceTime and recording and things like that. So hopefully it'll turn out pretty smooth. Through the magic of the internet. Absolutely. <laughs> so we thought for the first episode we'd uh, want to continue to introduce ourselves but also talk a little bit about how we got going in our careers. Right. You know, one of the things that I, when people ask me, you know, how I got started, I definitely, when I went to college, I was not planning on being a teacher. Having two parents as teachers, I think I just resisted it. Not because there was any like negative feelings I had about it, but I think a lot of people I knew just assumed I was going to get into the same field. And so I think a lot of times my answer was just, no, I'm not going to. But I did happen to go to one of the more popular teacher colleges in the state. So I think it was probably... um, It was probably fate that it was going to happen eventually. What about Uh, you? Well, um, for a long time, did not want to become a teacher because both of my parents are teachers and I watched them deal with being a teacher or being teachers and I didn't, I I did not want a part of that life. But then I had... What about about it though? I mean, what was so unappealing to you at that time? Oh gosh, I didn't, I I just remember my parents coming home and being exhausted. And when you have two parents that are both teachers, they will talk about it constantly. And uh, I just had been surrounded by education for so long that it didn't appeal to me. So I kind of rebelled against that right up until I was a junior in high school. And then I was like, actually, I think I, will, I like this. Yeah. And that came from a teacher in, uh, in my life. Shout out to Mrs. Magnuson. She was my 11th grade English teacher who kind of got me out of my rebellious teenage stage and, and moved me towards something that was a little more productive. And hmm. so, so, yeah, I actually decided I wanted to be a teacher from the beginning. Uh, hmm. Which is which is kind of weird. Like I'm, I don't know too many people that went to college for a thing, right? Went to, went to school for four years and came out right. the other side as that original thing, right? So. Right. My kind of moment. I it wasn't until my junior year of college. So I I went to this teacher school for two years, really just kind of checking off the uh, graduation requirements and still not committing to anything. Right. And I had originally my my first plan was I I wanted to get into the field of strength and conditioning. I had an uncle who worked at the college and pro levels as a strength and conditioning coach, and it seemed so glamorous and it seemed really cool. So I had gone to Western for two years, and then I went to Oregon State. And I had a little opportunity to work a little bit with the football program there in the strength and conditioning department. And I hated it. I absolutely <laughs> hated it. Um, I, I didn't like dealing with that level of ego and athlete. Oh, and yeah. and uh, it was very stressful. And I was just showing up a couple of days a week to help in the weight room. It really wasn't much, but I was just seeing this life and uh, thought, man, I really want to do this kind of work but I don't want to do it at this level. And at that moment, I realized I, I really did want to get into teaching. And so I originally I originally uh, pursued being a physical educator at the high school level. Was there ever, I mean, you kind of already answered it. Was there ever any thought of doing something else other than teaching for you? Yes, but not until after I'd been teaching for a while. Because there, there was a point where I started to hit that burnout stage where I was like, I, I don't know how long I can continue to do this thing. And give it everything that it deserves to to have. When do you think that was for you? It was between seven and 10 years in. Yeah. And I started to get, I started to just be stressed uh, yeah. about it. And I also felt like I was in a rut. I, I had established myself as being pretty good at a certain set of things. Like Liam Neeson, I had a particular set of skills and I felt right. that those right. were the only things that I was going right. to be uh, seen as. And I didn't know if I wanted to keep doing that. I was frustrated with some of the bureaucracy that is, inherent in in school and so i started looking around at other things and to be totally honest 
I couldn't imagine anything else that I was good enough at to be paid to do it. Like Liam Neeson. Right. <laughs> like I can't, um, I couldn't think of anything that where I was like, yeah, the skills I have would translate well into that industry. Right. I don't know. In some ways it makes me sound kind of pathetic. I didn't know what else to do with myself. Well, and it's, it's, yeah, it's also hard to, it's also hard to, I mean, I think for anyone, any, any adult with, and we'll, we'll also talk about our kids a lot. Any adult that has three kids and, and a family to support and anything else, no matter what field you're in, to make a major change in your career right? where um, it's, it's a risk and are you going to enjoy it anymore? Is it going to be more fulfilling? Or three years down the road, are you going to be, you know, kind of in the same position you're at, you know, now? You, yeah. you always have to kind of weigh those things. There's a lot of benefits to being a teacher, um, which is why when I decided that I needed to change, I mean, it took five years, but when I finally made that change, it was, okay, we're just going to move away. We're right. going to get out of the school. And right. we decided to move all the way to Virginia instead of sticking around in Oregon because some of the things that were frustrating to me were specific to Oregon. And I wanted to right. experience, like, is education the same everywhere or are there places where I could do different things, uh, see different kinds of people, hear different perspectives. And so that's what, that's what brought me way out here. My, my story is pretty unique too. So after uh, teaching for seven years, I got into administration. As you know, I was your assistant principal for a few of those years. Amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> for but, me on no, my side, it was pretty cool. You did a nice job. So, so that's really a lot of times, I think that's the, the common progression for a lot of teachers who are describing exactly what we're talking about. You've taught for a while. You feel like you're getting pretty good at it, uh, but it's it's almost starting to get, I don't want to say too easy because it's never easy, but oh, it's no. starting to get very, very routine and you're looking for a new challenge. Part of the reason why most teachers, good teachers especially, are good at what they do is that they're always trying to find a new challenge. And so the natural progression a lot of times is, hey, I'm comfortable in a school. Uh, I'm, I like being involved in education, but I want to try something new. So instead of going out and doing something totally different, you go out and get your administrative credentials and you get an administrative job. Right. I was lucky enough to get an administrative job in the same building that I had taught in, which is pretty probably rare, I would guess, in many cases, yeah. though that happens quite a bit in, in, our, in our district. But, and this is probably what's most unique about my situation, I was a high school assistant principal for three years. I got a um, principal job at a middle school close by I was able to commute to. And about halfway through that year, I'd been uh, an administrator for three and a half years. And I said, man, I just, I really miss teaching. Um, I'm not enjoying many of the aspects of being an administrator, which are really so much different than being a teacher. Right. Uh, like you're still in a building and you're still working with kids, kind of, but uh, it is in so much totally different. different aspect, right? Yeah. And uh, I was just super lucky. And this was probably... For me, probably the biggest risk of my career, going back from administration to teaching, it was such an odd career change. You know, number one, you know, you're yeah. you're cutting your salary substantially, but you're kind of going back to... I, I had an administrator once tell me, like, once you've seen behind that curtain, it's really hard to, like, unsee it. <laughs> right. I haven't found that. I'm now in my second year back as a teacher, and I've just absolutely loved it and had a new appreciation for teaching. And, and quite honestly, it a greater appreciation for what our administrators do. I feel like I'm a lot more understanding and patient. Sometimes as teachers, we're like, why are they doing that? Or uh, such a dumb decision or whatever. I feel like I do a little, little bit of less of that now because I know how hard right. it is. Well, and that's something actually that was really beneficial for me with both you and then the principal at your school who I got to hang out with quite a lot. We were good friends. Uh, both going into administration 
from teaching, you guys would not necessarily confide in me the specifics of what was going on in students' lives or with discipline problems or with mm-hmm. teacher situations, but I could see that you were dealing with stuff and the frustration that you had and the way your hands were tied in certain situations because of what upper-level administration superintendents and whatnot were expecting out of you. Things that teachers see a little bit, but not nearly right. to the extent that it, um, right. administrators do. To just have a tiny insight into that was really helpful for me as a teacher. Because now, when, um, when I hear people talk about the administration and why aren't they doing this thing and how come they don't recognize that this is a problem for us or whatever, it's easier for me to be like, well, they, they may be facing some things that we don't know. Or they, uh, they have done a lot of things to address those issues. So that was, that was useful for me. Yeah. I think this is probably a good time for another break. What do you, what do you say, Clint? Yeah, I think we will, uh, we'll take a break here and we will come right back. This episode of School Dia is brought to you by Flu Apron. Are you too busy to make a home-cooked dinner after a long day teaching other people's kids? Needing a day off to recharge? Flu Apron has the solution you're looking for. That's right. Flu Apron sends you fresh, delicious, pre-portioned ingredients to make unbelievably delicious meals but also provides a special viral blend to make you just the right amount of sick. You know, sick enough to skip work without feeling guilty, but not so sick you won't enjoy binge-watching Stranger Things from your couch all day. So the next time you're needing a great meal and a day off, think Flu Apron. Yum! All right, welcome back. As we said in the intro, there's more to us than just teaching. Not much more. Not much, but some. And so we're going to end this first episode the way we're going to finish all episodes with a, with a segment we call The, the Last, Last Word. Word. All right, I think I'm going to go first here, Clint. So last right. night, I had the uh, I had the pleasure to take my daughter, Daphne, she's eight years old, uh, to uh, our sixth uh, father-daughter dance. Have you ever done one of these? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. I'm a bad father. So no, 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 no. You're not a bad. Well, <laughs> you're not a bad father. This was our sixth one in a row. It's a great time. I love it. Uh, it's a fun time for us. We get dressed up and we get to go out to eat. And uh, it's really one of the only times during the course of a year where just her and I uh, get a chance to, you know, spend some time together. And it's really fun for any like new parents out there, uh, parents of especially multiple kids. I would always suggest if if you get a chance to just take one of your kids out. Uh, not just to do something, but, uh, but something where you can sit and talk. Um, it's, 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 and especially now that, you know, my daughter, she's my oldest and she's, she's eight and, and she's a great conversationalist and just being able to sit across from a restaurant booth, uh, across from her and get a chance to talk. It's a, it's an awesome experience. We love it. And she loves to get dressed up and, and all that. But, but the reason I want to bring this up is it is one of the most interesting social dynamics I have ever experienced. Because when you think about this for a second, you get this room. There's probably I don't know 200 uh, couples there. So you got you got grown men, many of them that are dressed up, probably beyond their comfort level. Right. And so just that in itself, like it's like it's like chaperoning a high school prom, right? You see all these boys in like tuxedos, and they're not sure what to do. Right. <laughs> right. So so you see these grown men that are dressed up, and then they're with their like three, four, five, six, seven-year-old daughters. And and when you really think about this, there's not very many scenarios socially where you're going to get that specific group together. Right. And what's funny about it is you have these men, and if they were just all the men, I think they would be much more comfortable. But when you think about it, the things that you do with your eight-year-old daughter when you're playing at home and you're pretending or you're 
you know, we do some really silly things. Yeah. And it <laughs> feels home. real awkward a lot in front of, times, of other people. <laughs> yes. But a lot of times you say, well, I'm glad it's just us doing this at home because this would be really embarrassing if other people saw. Right. And here you get like, and, and you just see all these guys looking around at each other like, boy, this is, uh, I'm just, so you, you get, you get kind of these, these different dudes there. You can kind of classify them. I feel like I try the best I can to just be like, screw it. I'm here with my daughter. We're going to have a great time. I don't care how right. stupid I look because she, she's pretty good at making me look stupid. But you also get these guys that are hanging out in the corner while their daughters dance. Uh, mm. you, yeah, you get some pretty different the dynamics. Boys. Uh, you, yeah, you just get the, exactly the corner boys. Uh, you just get some dads that are on that dance floor and you just know they're about as embarrassed as they possibly can be. Right. And a lot of these dads are probably the dads that are like, if I'm going to go dancing with my wife, we're doing slow dancing and that's the only thing I know how to right. do. And it's awkward to slow dance with your daughter. I mean, just for, for multiple reasons, yeah. you either pick her up yeah. and you like carry right. her around and then it's all you or they hug your knees, which is uncomfortable. And right. It's just, and a... then you're staring at all the other dads. That's probably what's <laughs> weird about it is yeah. the height difference. You end up feeling like you're dancing with somebody else's dad. <laughs> all the that, awkward eye you know, contact. Yeah. Cause it's like, if I'm not staring down at my daughter the whole time, I'm just staring at some other dude. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, but it's fine. If in that's this who particular you are. setting. It's just a little weird. It's a little weird. Um, but it's a it's a really good time. I had a great time with my daughter last night, and uh, like I said, I got a I got a little one, and uh, so there are going to be many more years that I'm doing the same thing. So uh, That's cool. next year, if if we're still doing this podcast, I will uh, I will update you on the progress of our corner boys. I <laughs> I will be waiting on tenterhooks. So excited to find out. <laughs> um, well, mine is when I get home from work. Uh, my dad used to say that teaching, you go to school in the morning with a bucket full of energy and you pour it out all day long on what you're doing and with the kids. And then when you get home, the bucket is totally empty. And then you you just need to sit there and like do something to relax. And the something that I've been doing to relax, as with most people, is to watch TV. And uh, what I've, okay. what I've been somewhat obsessed with lately is this show called Top Gear, and then another show that is a, kind of a spinoff of it called The Grand Tour. And they're both found on Amazon, and there are these British shows where these three weird British guys drive fancy cars and talk about them and make fun of each other. And it's the most ridiculous nonsense that I don't know why I like <laughs> it. I don't know why I like it, because it's because it it's kind and, of funny. And you are and 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 for anyone listening out there, you also need to know that Clint is not like a gearhead here. No, uh, I'm not, not a to, car guy. You know. But uh, but yeah. this show. Uh, so anyway, back to your yeah, show. the yeah. show is really just really beautiful cars in really beautiful settings, driving around with guys making dumb jokes, and I don't know why that is so appealing to me. It's one of those things that you can watch without thinking. Like some people love uh -huh. action movies because they're mindless entertainment. You right. just watch stuff blow up. I guess this is kind of my dorky action movie where I just sit back and they talk about all the horsepower and the torque and the whatever that a car has. And I'm like, I don't care. Look how pretty it is. And <laughs> look <laughs> at these neat roads. You don't have to be a car guy to like it because it is really just pretty and silly. But it's a it's that a cool show. Sweet. It's a cool show. Yeah. I enjoy it. It's a thing that brings me that brings me happiness at the end of the day or 
Uh, yeah. When Nikki's at work, I will binge a couple of episodes before I go to bed. So again, that show is called Sweet, man. That show is called Top Gear, and then the the newer iteration of it, the the newer version is called The Grand Tour. You can find both of them on Amazon Prime. You can watch a ton of them. All right, and they are very. I'll have silly. to check that out. Well, hey, man, I think we, uh, I think we did it. I think we wrapped up our first one. Yeah. Well, we appreciate all two, maybe three of you that are that are listening to us. If you have any questions for us, we have an email address for that. You can contact us at schooledyapodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Astoria, Or you can find me on Instagram at chatterboxes. That's C-H-A-D-D-E-R-B-O-X-E-S. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. We will see you as soon as we can. See you then.